Joey. This week we watched our first Thai film, mm. I think. Mm. I wonder if our listeners can guess what film that might be. Mm. Classic horror from early noughties. Mm. Uh, yeah, early noughties, not 90s, early noughties. Mm. Yeah. What did you think of the film? I really liked it. Huh. I I thought this film, which you know we'll try not to name for a bit longer, but <laughs> people will know what it is, um, is v- technically brilliant. I think the scares in it are really great, mm-hmm. and it's a film that really uses uh, the concept of the shutter of a camera lens very well. Yeah. Um, since I'm not a photographer, Jason, and you are, I'm going to ask you to technically describe what a shutter is because I always actually thought it was just another word for the lens of a camera, but it's not, is it? It's the What's the mechanism that determines how much light is going to hit the sensor? Hmm. Right. Okay. So it's a, it plays a very important role in photography. How, how sensitive is it? I'm guessing, I guess, depends on the camera or the skill of the... Um, photographer but like mm. how much control do you have over it well you have to press the the you know that button that you right. press when you take a photo it's called the shutter yeah button and, right and it just uh and and it then just opens to kind of like maximal um, um size R- immediately right uh-huh, uh-huh. and de- depending on your shutter speed so photography is generally controlled by uh, a triangle of three things yeah Right, you have the aperture, which mm-hmm. is um, primarily it's a function of the lens, right? Yeah. So the lower the aperture number, right? You you have f stops, right? So if you've ever seen a lens and it says f one point two, f one point oh, f two point eight, etc., etc., the lower that number is, the more light that that lens can let inside to mm. to hit the sensor mm. uh, or to hit the the, the film. Um, and so that's one element of the photograph. A lot of people think of that as, I guess these days, the lower the F number. You know, people like blurry backgrounds and all mm. that stuff. So the lower mm. the F number, um, the the blurrier the, the background will be. There are other things that you can use to isolate your subject. Mm. Um, it's not just a, a you know function of aperture, but that's one way that people think about it. Or if you're taking a photo um, at night, right? Where your light is very limited, you probably want a lens that is um, that's going to have a lower f number. So that that's one part of the triangle. You'll have mm-hmm. um, you also have shutter speed, right? So that's how quickly uh, the shutter you know closes, opens. Gotcha. Um, the longer the the shutter is open for an exposure, the more light it's going to allow to hit uh, the sensor. But if, and and the photographer controls the um for for how long the shutter stays open. That's right. The photographer mm. controls all three within the technical and technological mm. limits of of what's allowed. Right. Mm. So you, the photographer controls the aperture, um, but that is determined by the build of the lens as well. Right. Mm. It'll go from you know f <laughs> I don't know f one point two to f twenty two. Really depends on the lens. Right. Um, and the photographer determines the, the shutter speed um of course there are technical you know limitations mm. to to this mm. as well um and d- it depends on what you want to do right you ever see blurry images mm. um you know typically with a blurry image the shutter speed was not fast enough to capture 
the subject, and so it's captured motion. Mm. Right? Whereas a faster mm. shutter speed shutter speed would have frozen that subject. I see. Um, and that, then that's so interesting. So fast. So I'm, I'm trying to get that because I think I think this film mm-hmm. um, really is kind of. Um, that's my kind of layman's impression is mm-hmm. that it actually is made by people who kind of understand these things. Yes. Do you think? That was something I was going to say. Mm. There, there's, there's an element of professionalism in this mm. film mm. Um, that adds to the characters and to the, the plot, I, I, I think, as well. So, and, and even the, the design, mm. right? So you have all of these red spaces, for example. And the color of red is mm. is going to be an important one if you have ever you know worked with film, right? Mm. Photography. That's you you've been working in a dark room, and so in this film you have all of these scenes where something is happening in the dark room, and so it's it's got this red tint, this just this red light on um, in those scenes. There's also the photo uh, development place, mm. right? And so much kind of detective work is done at this place mm. right? ruling out what is possible and what is not possible mm. right what a blur in a given image might be versus what it cannot be mm-hmm. uh, and mm. there's even there's even an, an appearance uh by photoshop in this film yes yes yeah so so you know blurring the lines of 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 what is and and what is not possible uh, in in the photograph, you, you had the tabloid mm. um, doctoring mm-hmm. photographs uh, so that they could produce uh, what did you call them uh, spirit photographs? Yeah, right. Uh, photographs where there's a figure sort of looming in the background. Um, mm. So many of these images were were doctored. Yeah, yeah. Not all, but some. Yeah, yeah. So, so apparently, the film features real spirit photographs. Uh, and at yeah, the end, at the end of you. the film, yeah. we have an acknowledgement yeah. uh, by the filmmakers. So yes, the film we're talking about is the great um, uh, Thai horror film Shutter, which was a mm-hmm. huge box office hit when it came out in two thousand and four. Yeah, and and in a very interesting um, kind of psych. Um, uh, circulation i guess of the genre this film which seems to have been very openly influenced by j-horror films ends up being um, a few years later remade in japan Mm -hmm. into a japanese american horror film so that's kind of interesting it takes its influence from japanese horror and then then returns to japan in a way yeah yeah Um, we see that uh, quite a bit with film i think mm -hmm. you know it sort of one film borrowing from uh you know, film made someplace else and then being remade and re-imported. Yeah. Mm. These sorts of transnational relationships between film industries become very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and like uh, some other Asian and non-Asian horror films of this period, and I'm thinking, let's say Spanish um, classic, which we'll, I think, talk about in a few, in a few weeks, Wreck. um, This film is really interested in the technology of yeah. visual representation. Yes. Um, Ringo is, is there too. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the film we talked about last time, mm-hmm. the Hong Kong film, is also about that, although it uses literally the cornea of the eye as the machine for visual yes. um, perception, which is yeah. actually what the eye is. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. And this film, the one we're talking about today, Shutter, as our conversation um, 
a few minutes ago showed is I feel like it's really about the technicality of taking photos, mm. but also about the more cultural, technological aspect of photography in our age. Yeah. It is something artisanal, something that the you know great photographer artist does, but it's also something that gets manipulated by the, yeah. by the you know editor of a pop magazine, a CD ma- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, magazine, right. yeah, yeah. And of course, this is something that we you know we are very familiar with, and we talk about a lot these days. You know, deep fakes and, mm-hmm. and AI manipulated photos and all of that. So that's there too. But I guess it's also returning us to the origin story of photography, which is, you know, coming out of the 19th century, you've got the daguerreotypes, what have you. Mm -hmm. And right away, this is really interesting, right away people are looking at the things, these images that are developed from photographs and saying, oh, what's that shadow? Yeah. (laughs) What's that bit of light? So, I mean, the history of photography is at the same time the history of spirit photography. It Yeah, that's true. That's true. But but at its base, I mean... you know, f- photography is, a, you know, it's kind of playing with light, right? Mm. Playing with shadow, mm. playing mm. with all sorts of things. So, so the idea that you would have a shadow in a photograph, I mean, it's kind of comes with the territory of of photography, right? Of playing with light, like sculpting with light. Um, but I, I do looking at this film, I couldn't help but compare what compare what happened in this film with what we might get today right mm. we were talking about two mm. very different eras but there is some overlap right there's this so in the film you have this um i feel like photography is still this kind of magic right it, mm. it isn't mm. but it feels like it right the photograph itself is still a bit rare because you have to you have physical limitations mm. on the production of the photograph Right, you, yeah. you and you have economic limitations on the on the production of the photograph, and right? you you have to have the camera, you have to have the film, you have to have the film developed, mm-hmm. right? All of these things, um, and so this kind of, at least how I look at it, it, it allows f- the photograph to become this rare object that has this rare physical object that has a a, a mis- mystical quality to it. Right. Mm, mm. Um, and as, as we were, you know, saying earlier, so the, the magic of photography, um, at least to do it well, took some sort of expertise. Mm. Um, you know, again, that's why the photo developer has a role to play in the film. Um, and we have the spookiness in terms of developing the photograph. Um, and, and this exploration of, of, I guess, photographic knowledge mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and ruling out known phenomena. This, this is part of this, the discovery process of the film, right? Yep. And then the film itself also has a kind of nostalgic element to it with the use of the instant photograph, like the Polaroid photograph. Um, that's how they are referring to it. I mean, they're still Polaroid cameras, but... I imagine that this is a Polaroid branded camera as opposed to, in, in other words, it's some company that owns the Polaroid trademark attaching Polaroid, mm. the Polaroid brand to the camera. Um, you know, as opposed to Polaroid, the actual company still existing. I'm not sure Polaroid yeah. as a company still exists. I don't think it does. Um, so we still have those cameras. The The biggest ones now are the, the Fujifilm Instax cameras. These things sell like crazy Hmm. so 
and it's interesting that this kind of I don't know this this kind of instant photography is what really tells us what's happening in the film. Yeah, as opposed to the 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 delayed um yeah sort of photography of a 35 millimeter film camera. Yeah, but, because they can be doctored, right? So we get told that if you want truth you have to look at a Polaroid yeah. because it's developed instantly. Whereas yes. these other stuff, well, somebody else develops them and they could play with them and and manipulate them. And we see that, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we see in the um, magazine office. One of the editors, sub-editors, is yes. manipulating an image to create a fake yeah. Yeah. spirit photo by like superimposing a you know, shadow of somebody in the background. Yes, between two people. As if there's a ghost there. Hmm. And and then we find out that, well, actual spirit photographs exist. I mean, this is a movie kind of drenched in photography, isn't yes. it? So you've got yeah. the main character. Wait, wait, Ali, mm-hmm. before you before you continue, um, I just don't want to lose this point. Yep. The delay in the development of the, the photos in 35mm mm. photography, it, it, with, you know, sort of the role of film, yep. right? Uh, yep. That sort of photography. Um, that kind of goes well with the delay in the development of knowledge mm. um, by uh, what was her name? Um, June. June, yes. No, I think it was Jane. Jane, was sorry, Jane. yes, it is Jane. Yeah. Um, she is always mm. fine discovering something late. Yeah. And so the the developed photos from yeah. the 35 millimeter camera is in sync with her discovery of what's really happening. That is so true, Jason. And and this kind of takes me to a nostalgic point about um, the memory of, you know, taking photos on a camera and you take the f- film to the developer mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. days or, you know, not usually days, but maybe a week later, you go to pick up the photos. Yeah. But then you've forgotten a few things about the you know, what actually happened at the party yeah. or whatever where you t- took the photo. So when yeah. you look at him, you go, oh, my God. Oh, wow, this is what happened. Oh, I mm-hmm. forgot that, you know, this and that guy at the party who was there and had passed out in the background. Mm-hmm. What a nice little um, detail for this uh, photo to have captured. Yeah. So th- yeah. that delay, I think, is really important in terms of activating memory and, and I guess, significance of the event that's yeah. been photographed. And constructing memory, because this yeah. is also a film about the construction of memory. Yes. Right? With our, our main character, our lead character, doing his damnedest to not remember something mm. or to hide something from uh, from everyone's memory, really. Yeah. yeah. Even his own. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. It is so so interesting, this film coming out in 2004. I guess <clears throat> it is really around that time where people are saying, hey, photography is going to die. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's all going to be, it's all going to be, you know, people in their smartphones or, or what. Even at the time, you know, the, yeah. it was already being said in such ways. And I guess here we are. And this film is already sort of predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess in a way you could say it's about the horror of the loss of of this capacity to develop memory and, mm, and the ethical yeah. Yeah. and um you know emotional uh, implications of that loss yeah and and you know the fact that ultimately this movie even though it's a horror film it most certainly is it is also a kind of a tale of justice oh for sure and and, and i guess the justice could not be done had it not been for the for for delayed photographic yep. development techniques well and this is uh, an important uh, kind of you know uh, trope or, or motif in mm. in uh, in much uh, horror film 
uh, at least, for example, Japanese horror film. You the, and it, it's also why Japanese horror features so many women as mm. the ghost mm. or the the antagonist. Yeah, the antagonist slash protagonist, right? B- yeah. Because if you can't get justice in life, then at least you can get it in death. Yeah, right. Uh, or maybe you can't even get it in, in death, and, and and Shudder kind of leaves us <laughs> pondering mm. that point. But there, there, there really was no justice uh, coming for uh, for our ghost. Uh, Natra is is her name, yeah. I believe. Um, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. I think they say ne. I was listening to the yeah. I was even though it's spelt and you know it's transliterated as Natra, but yeah. Yes. Um. Can we shorten her name to Nat? Nat. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think there was any justice coming for her. Yeah. There, there wouldn't have been had it not been for these um, photographs. And I, and I think, you know, like it's interesting. So, you know, Jane, who we also mentioned, she's she's uh, she's our living girl. Uh, um, Nat or Nat is our living dead girl. We'll talk more about her as she's discovered via these photographs. But mm-hmm. Jane is actually a living girl, and she's a she's a photography student, isn't she? We see her at one point at a lecture where yeah. somebody's teaching her. So she's a photography st- student. Her, her boyfriend, living boyfriend, Tun, is a photographer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, every, just about everybody we come across, we encounter in this film is somehow associated with photography, you know? Which kind of, yeah. Well, with those two, it makes sense. Um you know, uh, I guess like minds or people with mm. similar uh, lines of work or hobbies will end up hanging out with one another. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, although the the rest of uh, of of Toon's gang, so Toon yeah. is Jane's boyfriend. Toon's the photographer. Jane's the, yeah. the photography student. Um, the the other three in mm. Toon's you know sort of gang and by gang I mean uh, you know a group of four knuckleheaded boys mm. who, who hang out together mm-hmm. um, and be douchebags um, the, the rest of them they're not photographers and this is an important element of the film mm. because it's their not being photographers mm. that places a particular kind of power specifically in the hands of Toon yes Yes. He is the photographer. He is the one with the the most power to, to do something. Exactly. He's the authority. Yeah. So when we get to kind of talking about the dark secret um, of this film, um, we're talking about a pretty horrific act of violence, which requires, even though it's committed by these knuckleheads that mm-hmm. Jason talks about, it requires the authority yes. of the photographer Yes. Who's there to take a photo that could be used against against the victim to blackmail her into silence. This is correct and I believe yeah. I would have to look at the film ag- uh, again uh to to make sure but taken with the camera that the victim gave. Ooh, good lord. You know, that's uh, that's that that that's that hurts. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. really salt in the wound. It it really is. So so look, this is that this is a really interesting film. It's set in Bangkok of that time, and and I think I th- I like that part of it too, Jason. That okay. So obviously, um, 
um you know um i i it's probably obvious that i haven't i haven't seen a lot of movies from thailand and and i guess living in australia one has a certain perception of thailand and particularly at this time with like the explosion of japanese horror cinema and and one you know and this is hong kong's massive film industry you've mm-hmm. got you know um you know bollywood also next door so thailand is not really on the cinematic map of the world but then this film is so interesting because suddenly we can see the life of middle class people of bangkok you know yeah. what they get up to and it's yeah. really interesting i mean i like this sociological aspect of the film too which is it just shows i think fairly affluent people from bangkok but they're young people they go to school they go to university i mm-hmm. think it's a university yeah. isn't it that yeah. is based in i was in, interested to see that they actually wear uniforms to university yeah 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 yeah, yeah so that was interesting that was interesting and i think with that comes a sort of a certain high school culture that you know in in much of like it's kind uh, of like a college it's a col- right? yeah, yeah it is isn't it so with, with that comes the idea of a gang and bullies and then Yes, we have the kind of a dynamic that you can kind of say is a Carrie-esque or, you know, you have a quiet girl who is being picked on. She's quiet yeah. and she's being victimized by the bullies, but she has some kind of strength mm. or or potency, yeah. which yeah. which we're not really aware of until later. I say, I say attachment. I, I think mm. part of this film is about mm. attachment and her her mother... Uh, and this is where you get the divide between Bangkok and uh, the yeah. in more rural areas because yeah. she's from not she's from a rural area, hmm. right? Um, and and this might be one of the reasons why she had difficulty making friends. She's not from there, yeah. And the people around her aren't necessarily mature enough to um to to. <laughs> To, to recognize that and to bring her into the fold. So yeah. Toon, they, he becomes, they become romantically involved. That, that's interesting. Could, could I just pause here? I mean, this is really important to the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, there's a wonderful chapter about this movie in, in the book, uh, The Book of Horror, The Anatomy of Fear in Film by yeah. Matt Glassby. Yeah. And he says something that I want to sort of tease out. So yes, um, Nat falls in love with Toon and then later on Toon is with a new girlfriend called Jane and the, the writer of this chapter in this book says quite why Toon inspires so much female devotion is another matter like why do girls like him so much because the the emotion in, emotional intensity that first uh, Nat and then Jane feel for him mm-hmm is a big part of the story. And the fact that he betrays them both, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he turns out to be a bit of a, not bit of a major asshole, and he betrays the devotion and love of these two women. Right. But I guess my question is, what do they see in him? Because he's obviously quite wrong. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, it's not that he's not a nice guy. Mm. Right, he's a very nice. Yeah, you're right. He's a right. he's a very nice mm. guy. Mm. Um, he he has a trade mm-hmm. that he is uh, very active mm. in and and very involved. He has interesting things to teach. Um, mm. he, you know, he he bridges this gap between the, I guess the the kind of 
adolescence might be too far, but that mm. that early adult stage of being in college and then graduating, like he's he bridges both of those. And so he's got one foot in both worlds, mm. I think. Mm. Um, you know, he just yeah, seems like a... He's creative, you know. Yeah. He's, uh, he's an easygoing guy. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. And yeah. and even at the end of the film, even after even after Jane has discovered, mm. has discovered because because you know if there's anything about uh, Toon, it's, it's it's that he's not telling the truth to anyone. Mm. Um, after Jane discovers what he's done, mm. um. She still goes to, so he ends up in, mm. in you know, a, a, a facility. Um, mm. And she still goes to see him. Yeah. She still goes to see him. So she still, b- both of mm. the women who were, were you know, who had a relationship with him were still attached, attached to, him. to him. One of them, literally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're right. That's so interesting. I, I wonder if the, um, the so we're talking about uh, the original film, uh, which is the one we're talking about today, directed by Banyang, um, Pai Santana Kun and, and Pak, Pak Hum uh, Wang Pum. Mm-hmm. Yep. My apologies for my dreadful um, pronunciations. But there was a remake of it um, two years later in Japan. And in this other remake, I guess the film strikes me as more unforgiving towards this character, the mm-hmm. central male character, who mm-hmm. in the in the Japanese remake is played by an American. Um, but, I, but I think the original uh, Thai movie is more ambi- somewhat ambivalent because it tries to say, look, he's a weakling. When That's his it. friends ultimately look, the way he goes about breaking up with, with, um, with Nat, with his yeah. first you know girl one, is kind of cowardly. He can't really break up with her, and when he does, it's like mm, he drags her along for a while. Do, does he? I think he tries to break up with her, but she. <clears throat> she okay. So so mm, it, mm. Th- this is kind of tricky to you know to talk about because. You have um all right, so he 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 does tell her in this sort of montage. It's the first montage we see uh of the relationship between Toon and Nat, where we get a a a hint mm. um into you know as to to who Nat is mm. right um and this comes after. After uh, Jane's own process of discovery, where she's paging through these photos, and all of the photos are kind of pointing to something having happened in a particular room in in the the college building. Yep. So, what we see in this montage uh, with Nat and Toon is that Nat. It, she develops a really strong attachment to Tune, mm-hmm. right? And we also see that Tune is a wimp who succumbs to peer pressure. He doesn't stick up for her when she needs mm-hmm. him. He breaks up with her, but because, I mean, there, and this this is where it gets complicated because this is her first love, mm-hmm. and because she's so attached uh, to him and and doesn't really have anyone else in mm-hmm. in her life, she has dedicated everything to him, and so she doesn't handle the breakup well. Um, and I guess the question you have to ask yourself is how could she and why would she? So she confronts him in the university darkroom. 
Yeah. Um, and and she threatens self harm. Yeah. And and I think this is where uh, Tune. He, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't know what to mm. do. Mm. Um, he just has no clue, right? And I mean, and, I mean, sorry, but like, what does one do in the situation like that? Because, because I guess, um, my first uh, kind of view of the film was that no, this film is being too kind to Tune. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's an asshole. He deserves to die and quickly. But now. When we look at it in some more detail, I'm actually thinking, well, that's a pretty horrible situation to be in. Imagine if basically somebody says, look, if you break up with me, I will kill myself. Therefore, you have to stay with me. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty um, significant kind of emotional blackmail as well. Well, but it's also... Look, I, I, I imagine that as, uh, as time passes... Mm. Uh, and as we give more credence to things like mental health, mm, mm. the availability of things such as as counseling, just someone to talk yeah, to, yeah. Uh, makes a huge difference in how you would handle a situation like this. Mm. And I'm not sure these characters have anything like that. No, there's for nothing them. like that in this film. And you have to remember that uh, Nat is alone. Yeah, and she hasn't introduced uh tune and her mother mm-hmm. right because her mother lives out in the country yeah. when tune does meet her mother for the first time she has no clue who he is wow right yeah um and and so mm. nat is alone she's got yeah. no one in her life who who uh can can be on mm. her side in this situation you know who can uh who can help protect her and she mm. thought mm that tune was the person she could rely on to protect her. And that is betrayed so dramatically. Mm. Like how, how is anyone going to come back um, from that sort of experience? No, no, no one is. I mean, I think this film is kind of, uh, you you know, I have a thesis about the significance of uh, Stephen King's Carrie and the Brian De Palma version, film of it mm-hmm. on Asian cinema in particular, and because uh, I think that character really resonated with, um, for some reason, with with Asian film goers and filmmakers, and I think it's a sort of an archetype of a very shy girl, who's very intelligent, very shy, has a certain emotional intensity and needfulness, mm. and then she's dumped into the world of people who are more, shall we say, socially adept than her. Yeah, you know they're yeah. more outgoing, they're more sexually experienced, etc. And she's really out of depth. And yeah. I think here the sort of city country divide is an interesting one: mm-hmm. rural Bank uh, Thailand versus, you know, these these obviously urban uh, Bangkok yeah. kids. Yeah, you've got that. I mean, interestingly, Jane, our protagonist, is also mm-hmm. part of this Bangkok group. She's yeah. knowledgeable, she's educated, she's yeah. confident, whereas. Nat isn't. She is from a rural part and also from a religious background. So mm. this is where we get religion. What's interesting is that for much of the film, which is set in Bangkok, we have no intim- no suggestion of Buddhism or anything like right. that. It's very right. modern, seemingly you know secular, westernized culture of photography and university and yep. so on. When we go to rural Thailand, suddenly, whoa, we see we see monks right away. Yeah. We see monks. We have, you know, funeral rituals. We have this notion that a body must be cre- cremated. Yes. If it's not, you know, the spirit hangs there. And, and also yeah. 
that's mom who is obviously has her own views of you know um yeah what yeah. to do with the body well she's going through uh, her dead daughter she's <laughs> she's going mm. through so i saw this as kind of a reverse norman bates thing yeah going it, on it really is in yeah, the home yeah. right the mother's kept the corpse lying uh, in bed and and one would think that the moment that that Jane and 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 uh, Toon walk yeah. into the house, they'd be like, "Hmm, <laughs> like, how likely is that?" I mean, I just wondered about it. like, because it would be, uh, it would be like a, um, a kind of it would not be allowed legally in Australia. I don't think to kind of keep a corpse mm. in, at home. Yeah, but uh, you know, this this also lends a, a bit of strength to that idea mm. that no one really cares about that. No, right. No. She 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 disappears, mm. and it, that disappearance is nothing but a convenience. Yeah, uh, except to to, to mm. the mother, mm. right? Um, so she she really is alone, and 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 when we look at the conditions under which mm. Nat dies, right? She she first we see all of these these bottles, mm. you know, resting outside Nat's room, and we. I, I guess w- we are to assume that these are all sorts of medications, right. et cetera, that have been, um, you know, provided Nat and her mother so that Nat could be nursed back to some sort of mm. health. And, mm. and there's um, a lot of them, isn't there? There's yeah, a yeah there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but none of it works. And, and of course, Nat does at the end of the, uh, at the end of the day, she does, she gets better and then she decides to, um, you know, to to mm. end her her own life. Yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a, in much more dramatic fashion. Um, yeah. Um, mm. but but her mom also has that. Uh, you know, yes, the reverse Norman Bates thing. Yeah. But I, I see that as a an extreme form of attachment as well. Mm. Mm. And there's 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 no there's no uh you know father around or anything like that. So so. There's only this relationship between mother and daughter, mm. and the, now the mm. daughter has been taken from the mother, and the mother is left to somehow mourn uh, mm. all on her own. Yeah, and so she's she's managing. She's not managing actually. No, she's <laughs> right? not. Yeah. She's not managing. Um. So I I I kind of yeah. I, at least part of the film to me is this idea that you have people grieving things, you have people mourning things, mm. um, whether it's the the loss of maybe it, whether it's it's a series of events that has happened to one, mm. Um, mm. or or that has been forced onto one. Right, the others have caused these events to happen, um, or whether it's suddenly losing um a loved one in your life you know nat loses tune uh the mother loses uh nat and people don't know what to do with these things Mm, mm. the mother goes off into a sort of realm of personal uh delusion or refusal to Mm. to uh to have a funeral for Nat, right? Mm-hmm. To 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 acknowledge that Nat is dead, and that she's not coming back, at least not for the mother. Um. Toon has his own kind of refusal, mm. right? He refuses to acknowledge that he has a certain kind of responsibility, not 
I won't go as far as to say for her death, but certainly responsibility in creating the conditions that that led to um to whatever deep and profound sense of loss that Nat must have had. Yeah, I, look, I think you put it really well, um, Jason, because it's it's not very black and white. I mean, in many ways, yeah, Toon is a pretty horrible person, sure, but but the question of is his it, direct involvement in in the tragedy yeah. is is a sort of an ambiguous question because to begin with uh, you know again to kind of chronicle his 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 interactions with this girl who will after her suicide become a pretty interesting kind of a menacing spirit which we'll talk about shortly but you know before that happens like how how is she turned into a monster well well Toon, uh, Toon's part in this is that first he starts dating her he feels he says he i mean feels sorry he feels her. sorry for her. that to me is a bit like uh, okay but yeah maybe that's that could be a romantic attraction maybe you feel sorry for somebody out of the sympathy you develop love for them turns out they do have a genuinely romantic moments we have flashbacks in which we see this girl um nat and I think I think can I just say like the actress playing her is chosen really well. Yeah. She seems very unassuming and shy, and then she's transformed into mm-hmm. a terrifying, ghoulish, uh, hungry spirit in due course. But at this point, yeah, she's this sort of meek, very shy girl with you know long black hair and and so on. And um, she has a certain intensity, but one gets the feeling that perhaps she's also got some sort of supernatural powers already maybe or some some ability already i i, I don't think so no. i if if this is in line with um like let's say japanese folklore for right, example it doesn't right. have to be you know of course thailand will have its own folklore mm. but if, if we're considering this mm. film as kind of uh <laughs> you know borrowing some ideas from yeah. uh, the early japanese films those ideas are also developed um you know, during you know Japan's Edo period, mm. they're given visualization and woodblock mm. prints, etc. There's stories about um, about women who become ghosts. Mm. Hmm. Um, so, I, I'm I'm I don't think that in life she has any special powers. Right. Again, that 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 transition into death or that that failure to transcend into death hmm. is where. The value there is created. Okay, no, I think you're absolutely right, Jason. Because the film, the director, uh, Pai Santanakon, actually says this, and I'm reading this from the book, um, uh, the book of horror, the anatomy of fear in film. He actually says that in terms of how she looks, we didn't try to be too different from the J horror ghosts trending at the time, but we tried to create ways of her to appear that felt fresh and special because we had never seen them before. So you're totally yeah. right. They, they take that idea um, from Japanese horror and they, they, do, they do things with it. Um, what, what does transform her, like you say, from like life to death and into a ghost woman is, is, is um, yeah, the horrific thing that happens when uh, after, you know, Tun tries to break up with her, but um, she won't accept this. So he talks to these horrible friends of his about it well, and they yeah. they say look oh we'll give you a hand what then happens is that they they assault her sexually well she one of one of the the friends the the ringleader uh the king knucklehead yeah um 
he approaches her and she 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 fights for herself mm. and this angers him mm. right mm. so she she she's conducting some sort of uh scientific experiment i mean it's it's really odd that in this room in yeah. this space where these acts happen it's kind of a forensic science yeah. lab and it's it's interesting that the type of photography that is taken um here yeah is a forensic kind of photography mm. um mm. so she she mm. uh breaks some something that's glass a beaker or something yeah. um on the lead assaultant's head yeah and he starts bleeding and this i think makes him very right. angry because she's shown that um he's not going to to, to have complete control o- of the situation yeah and he because he's king, you know, king douchebag, mm. he wants to assert his control now, his dominance over mm. the situation. Mm. And what he does is he rapes her. Yeah. Yeah. And around all of the other knuckleheads. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, Toon happens to be there. He's, I think he's walking past this lab and hears the noise of what's going on inside. He yeah. steps in and then he sees his ex being violated by his friends. He's, he's frightened, but they... Then these horrible friends grab him and say, Look, you are the photographer, you got a camera, you got to take a photo of this so that we can use this to blackmail her in right. case she were to go to police. Right. And we can say that, look, you can't go to police, otherwise we spread this. This is a really important part of the plot. Incidentally, like none of this stuff is revealed until pretty much the very end of the film. What which, we have which in is the meantime. Brilliant, I it's think. brilliant. So there, I guess um, what we have in the meantime are these sort of traces of this crime that become apparent through these ghost photographs and the really brilliant appearances of the ghost of Nat from time to time, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I think we should talk a bit more about because I love the technical aspects of these scenes. But yeah, so that then, then after all of this, Nat um, commits suicide and then she returns as an avenging spirit i i I think so there's a couple of things about the kind of the i guess what i see as a really effective moral ambiguity which which kind of i hadn't really noticed until our conversation now because prior to our conversation now jason i thought maybe the moral of the film is a bit too black and white like oh well it's obviously a horrible thing they did they must pay and i thought Oh, it's a little bit lazy when scriptwriters are kind of like, oh, we can't think of a more complex plot development, so we chuck in an obviously abhorrent crime to mm-hmm. quickly vilify a bunch of people and, you know, um, celebrate the victims. But the way we're talking about it adds complexity. Yes. I mean, there's, there's no question about, you know, rape being horrible. That absolutely is. And Toon's part in it by giving... Uh, authorizing it by mm-hmm. taking a photograph which can then later be used against the victim is is there and it's abhorrent but there are these complexities about like just how willingly involved is he in all of this yeah and then second question i think and i want i don't know what you think about this is that is nat herself right she's mm-hmm. obviously a victim of this crime is she does not deserve to be violated and then then mm-hmm. blackmailed and so on that that's no question about that mm. But there is something about her in acceptance of um, the breakup. There is something about her intensity and I guess her unpreparedness about moving to Bangkok, which I'm not saying is her fault and she's terrible, but I'm saying are these sort of these other tensions and conflicts that are part of this um, story? Of course, those are are relevant as well, Mm. right? She, Mm. She 
does not handle um for, first of all she can't really read mm. uh she can't read uh tune right yeah and i i think this this kind of uh, connects to the problem that you mentioned earlier right he mm. all of the, he's got the, the women in the film they all seem to like him mm. Mm. right cuz there's an inability to read him because <laughs> yeah. there's this entire okay. world of his that he has shut off mm. from them um you know no matter how ugly that world uh no, no matter how uh, you know ugly that world is uh, they they can't get to it right is he like a shutter himself <laughs> he's he kind of yeah. he kind of is yeah. he kind of is um <laughs> yeah i guess that's a that's a good because because his past is like a, something that we just get glimpses of isn't it that that's right mm. that's right he does function mm. like the camera itself i suppose mm. um and and so there's that element of Nat, uh, right? She she uh, of their relationship. She mm. cannot read him, and and therefore she can't arm herself against him. He's she's completely open, mm. and it seems like it's the first time that she has you know ever fallen oh, in yeah, love, etc. So this sure. this means that she is definitely completely open, and mm. the emotional attachment is mm. running extraordinarily high. I mean, look, this is very convincing. I think very re- I might say even realistic depiction yeah. of like yeah a very kind of first love first between love. two people one of whom has had more experience and it's more blasé about it let's or, say or or is just you know maybe he's not he's, I guess the film actually makes this clear he actually isn't that into her he, maybe he's mm. curious mm. Um, but he doesn't have any real feelings mm. for her beyond feeling sorry for her yeah yet he gets yeah. involved with her that's right? look that's such a good point Jason can I just say like I was, I mean, I'm thinking for some reason I think this is a very sociological kind of film mm. I, I think maybe this the style that it's made I feel like suddenly I've had a glimpse into like Thai society uh, which, which you know, horror films. I don't know if you agree with this. I think you probably won't. But I don't. I don't think horror cinema is very good at giving us like these depictions of society and social relations. That's although it does tell you what yeah, people are afraid of. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Um, but but I feel like here this movie is very unique in that I can get a feeling of the complexities of Thai society or mm. or this kind of societies in which we've had like massive rapid urban development in one part, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the sort of rural, particularly what let's say you know rural more affluent people which it seems to be uh, what nat's family are can send their daughters to the big city for education right but there's a big culture there's culture, a huge culture gap. culture clash yeah. and i guess you have you have this city kid who's like hey just hang out you know have sex whatever yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see what comes of it mm-hmm. as opposed to this more traditional girl yeah. who's like no you, you don't you don't just hang out and have sex this is a where I come from, this is a commitment for life, or something like that. Maybe, maybe. yeah, or it, it's it maybe as simple as um, she has done extraordinarily memorable things mm. with Tune. She's given her mm. first uh, gift of any significance, right? Yeah. He he yeah. he takes her to a, a camera store and and you know shows her some things, and she 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 buys him a camera, right? Um, I know. You know, it, that's a sign of her faithfulness to him, it of is, her attraction to him. Do, um, do you think he should have? 
at that point, he should have gone, hang on, this is too serious. Uh, yeah, what well, photographer is going to turn down a camera? <laughs> um, well, yeah. he, he should. Okay, so my problem with Toon all throughout the film is that he refuses to be honest with himself. Yeah. So he, if he's not honest with himself about what has happened with Nat and his, yeah. his role, you know, the role that he has to play in that, I think th- th- there's a fatal character flaw here. And, and by character flaw, by character, I don't mean you know character of in a film. I mean right. his 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 character, right, as a human being. Uh huh. And I I I don't think he he doesn't come across as the type of person who could draw that kind of boundary, right, and mm. say, uh oh, mm. I probably should not accept this this gift yeah. because this is something right yeah yeah um so yeah you know again nat nat has no idea what she's gotten herself into mm. and she could never have such an idea mm. because tune is this closed book actually yeah with a with a great cover that's a good way to put it yeah um yeah yeah so yeah you know it's mm. I, I don't know what else she could do. Mm. And then, of course, um, she she doesn't know how to handle it. Mm. Toon doesn't know how to handle her not being able to handle it. And yeah. then you're just in a bad situation. For you everyone. really are. It's, I mean, they, from there, sadly, they'll become sort of horrifically inevitable. And then, of course, it's not until the very end we find out that she has committed suicide after all of this. And then well, then we realize that she has been returning to haunt. To haunt Toon via his photographs. Now, this is really interesting. I, I First, if look, if I had not seen the Japanese-American remake of this and if I didn't know about it as much as I did before mm-hmm. watching it, mm-hmm. I would have thought that it's the camera that's haunted. I would have thought like this is a haunted camera and yeah. the movie will try to unravel the history of this camera and we find out that you know this camera was owned by a serial killer or something. <laughs> but but it's interesting because the first time we become okay so the very first time we become aware that there is something wrong is in fact before the haunting of photos isn't it when this then dri- when Toon and Jane are driving a car at night mm. and they think they've hit somebody yeah but they actually haven't yeah this so Jane is very important. Yeah. Jane is really the medium through which Nat is trying to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. all of the camera stuff is only significant because Jane sees it. Mm. Mm. So the the car um and and this is this is where we first see that that tune mm. is not going to take re- responsibility for anything. Hmm. Jane hits someone. The car is damaged. Jane is driving, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, you know, the car spins out of control. Mm. And Toon's reaction is drive off, drive away. It's a country road, or at mm. least it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a city road that is not, um, you know. <laughs> It's not frequented. Mm. There's no traffic. It's in the middle mm. of the night. Mm. Who's going to know you did this? Mm. So he says, drive off. Mm. Right? And Jane is the one who has the guilty conscience, but one that she has mm. acknowledged, right? Mm. Tune has a guilty conscience, but he refuses to acknowledge it. That's why it hangs on him and yeah. over him, 
right? That's why he has that weight. Uh, he also has that weight because, you know, yeah, literally. Yes. I'll <laughs> uh, find out. Uh, um, yeah. And, and so this is, this is where, uh, where Nat is trying mm. to get Jane's attention. Yeah. And it's the, it, it's, it's where she mm. essentially starts to show Jane what kind of person she's dealing what with. What does she, okay, okay. Cause I was going to ask you, you answered that, but what does Nat want Jane to do? To protect herself, meaning Jane, for Jane to protect herself, mm. to to you know punish this guy by leaving him, to 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 go back to the village and compel her mother to actually you know you know bury um, her body properly. Well, this is the brilliance uh, of, of of the vengeful ghost, right? Mm. I think Nat wants Jane mm. to discover all of this and to force um, to force Toon to reckon with uh. with what has happened this does not however mean that nat is going to be satisfied with this <laughs> no she's wonderful i mean yeah yeah she's a great character isn't she and she's, mm. she's really reminds me of ringu and again this particular type i would say of the grudge the as grudge, well because yeah. it really i mean even though that's a haunted house film mm-hmm. um it it really leaves you with this icky feeling because there's nothing that you can do about it right yeah you can have a funeral Mm. you can have all the buddhist rites and rituals Mm. that you want it's not going to appease the ghosts yeah 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 that's that's great that's really great And, and i guess this is why this movie is 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 so so interesting and powerful but about jane you're totally right i think and it's interesting that finally when she has got all the evidence that her boyfriend was, uh, let's say, uh, a, uh. a significant contributor to this horrible act of violence. Well, can we, and, and can we talk mm. about that? How does she get that evidence? Well, it's very gradual, isn't it? I mean, she gets that via the photos. Yeah, she gets that via the photos, right? Yes. Yeah. So she uses this combination of the mm. Polaroid camera, mm. right? She she so she they they go visit the the tabloid uh-huh. you know director, and he says, well. Not all of the, the the spirit photos we have are faked, of course. And, and she wants she wants them to tell her they're all fake, doesn't she? Because she knows that she knows that if they're not fake, then there is a sort of a dark secret about her picture perfect boyfriend. She, she least, wants to be. In, she's she wants to say that's not the case at all. She at least knows yeah. there's there's <laughs> more detective work to do. Yeah, right? yeah. So she. The first set of photos she goes mm. through is the, the, this graduation ceremony, mm-hmm. right? And again, in front of a certain room, like the photos are taken from outside mm. the building, but in front of a certain section of the building is is this sort of ghostly image, right? It's 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 there no matter what from no matter what angle mm. the photo is taken. A bit of light, isn't it? Like yes. exposure. You might think it's just that. And and yeah. But it's consistent across uh, photos. Yeah. And so she's like, hmm, maybe I should go check out this room. Mm. So she goes to check out the room um, with the Polaroid. Mm-hmm. And she she recognizes that, okay, there's a ghost standing yeah. there. right? And it doesn't help that since uh, the accident, the car accident, she and uh, Toon have gone down that road, you know, broken headlight and everything. And there's someone, there's like a, you know, random construction worker saying, oh, a car ran into one of the poles. And they're like asking all these weird questions. Wait a minute. There wasn't a body here or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's like, no. So they, 
with that, they know that something deeper mm. is happening, right? So that's how she first gets involved. And then um, in Nat's, uh, sorry, in Toon's room, there's, you know, this curtain, right? Mm. And, and, and it reminds you of the curtain that was uh, in the, uh, you know, the, the, the university room, uh where where um where Nat was raped, right? Yeah. The motion of this curtain. Yeah. And so she she knows that there are some photos mm. hiding there somewhere. So she begins to go through the photos, she knocks a bunch of them down. Um and you know, this is where you get into some true crime stuff <laughs> yeah. where, you know, the serial killer has to hold on to some something that is you know <laughs> obvious evidence but he's Mm. got a photograph Mm. the photograph that he took of nat Mm. that you know his friend demanded that he take in order to blackmail nat that the negatives right exactly and and so she she finds that and she develops it Mm. right and so she she's able to get a clear picture as to what's happening yeah and and this is just (laughs) i yeah i she, she of course, you know, she can, she confronts him, <laughs> and you think that this is going to be the end, right? So, yeah. so Nat has successfully been able to guide mm. um, Jane mm. to tell him successfully mm. what happened. Mm. Up until this point, Toon had shared his own mm-hmm. sort of half story, yeah, um, and the I, I think the most. The most uh, sort of damning moment mm. for Jane must have been, you know, it's not that Toon is in the photograph, right? You would consider that to be mm. the most damning thing. You're in the photograph. There's Nat's body. Mm. You bastard. Mm. No, right? The most damning thing is that she has to piece it together. Oh shit! You mm. took the photograph. That's, I mean, that's a, a new level of of sort of being damned. Yeah. Right? And he didn't. He he most likely didn't take it. You know, he had the option of if he was going to do that, trying to back up, mm-hmm. right, so that he could fit more into the frame, so that his friends are the all in the frame. Could be seen. Too, yes. Yeah. He didn't do that. Mm. Right? He photographs her. Yeah. I mean, either way, she may have been afraid of, of coming forward, but at least he would have that mm. evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is there is something particularly, you know, particularly despicable about him but it's also that kind of a mixture of cowardice as well you know Mm. he's just too much of a coward but but i guess there is a i guess deeper question here as well and it's sort of uh, a topic of um photography and horror because you know everything we talked about is actually you know resonant with something else we've talked about a few weeks back the photographer from omen Mm, and how yeah. his photographs, uh, you know, the guy played by um, David Warner, how his photographs show 
the the intent of the Antichrist to right, kill to people kill someone, yeah. before these killings happen. Yeah. Um, so again, the 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 photograph the the photograph seems to be um, an, an, a conduit to truth. Uh, it shows us the things yeah. before they happen or yeah. things that are going to happen, which only the sort of demonic or spiritual world knows, which the material world doesn't know. So the photograph gives us the knowledge that would not be available to us otherwise. So that's there. But I feel like there is also in these films, and in Omen and also in Shudder, and also, I think, in the great novel, The House of Leaves, where the protagonist is a photographer called Navidson. And, mm-hmm. and in that, in that um, novel, um, uh, Jason, that this guy who's a photographer, and we don't find that out until pretty much towards the end, that he had been in Africa during the Ethiopian famine. And he took a photo that is actually based on a real-life photo by a real-life photographer, which you might know of. He's a very famous photographer. He ends up topping himself. But he took mm-hmm. one of those iconic photos of, like, a child with a bloated belly dying. Yeah. He took uh, that photo. I think I know the photo. Yeah, you probably would have. T- I've, I've, I'm, I've talked to some other people about it, and they've known the photo and the photographer's fate. Yeah. Anyway, he wins awards for this photograph back in 1980s, blah, blah, blah. Then he, in the 1990s, he just he kills himself, the yeah. real-life photographer. And it seems like there's something about being a witness to some pretty horrific thing mm. about which one maybe couldn't do anything. Yeah. And, and okay, could, could Toon in the film we're talking about have done something to stop, to save, to save Nats? I believe he could have. But maybe I'm misunderstanding the social dynamic that he's up against these three brutes who probably would have beaten the shit out of him if he had intervened. I don't know. Well, he but would have lost his friends. Remember the first the first right, thing that right. that the you know the lead mm-hmm. the, the lead knucklehead says is you're my friend. Yeah. Right. So he gives Toon the option. Uh-huh. You can choose your love for her, of which yeah. there is none. Right. Of which there is none. No. Only it's... only sympathy and feeling bad for her. Right. Or you can His choose own guilt. our own mm. genuine friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he chooses that. Yeah. Which is which is also, you know, you know, has has real social consequences, right? We get a feeling that, yeah, they are they are they are the more wealthier people in this community. Mm-hmm. And the film starts actually with them, doesn't it? In a restaurant, a very fancy Western restaurant. Right. Where they're sitting around and Drinking fancy Western wine. And One of them's gotten married recently. Well, yeah, right? so they're obviously wealthy. And of course, Toon being a photographer, living in a good, albeit tiny flat, yeah. is obviously not um, as socially um, successful as these people. So he probably doesn't want to pick a fight with his social uh, superiors. And I, and I think that, yeah, so about, about photography, I feel like... Um, uh, both this film and the Hassel Leaves kind of tell us that maybe there is something kind of sinister about yeah, taking yeah. photos of things that perhaps one should not take a photo of. Well, Would you agree with that? Is that going too far? I, I think it might depend on... I think photography has gone through these mm. uh, different eras uh, where um, how it's thought about changes dramatically right is it um a new kind of art form Mm. or is it does photography equal reality Mm. right Mm. um and i think for those who 
um, take the more journalistic approach, which is you know photography mm-hmm. as as reality. And 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 we know that that is also not true. You know, in in, in the case of the film, in mm-hmm. the photo- mm-hmm. the photography class, the lecture that they were in, mm-hmm. one of the things that mm-hmm. the uh, the you know the the lecturer yeah. tries to get them to see is that the same subject in a photograph taken differently mm. becomes something very different right so it 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 really does depend on the eye of the photographer and how the image is framed yeah um but if you see photography as kind of a way of recording uh some aspect of everyday life then i imagine you somehow have to be you have to to compartmentalize your job right and your job becomes to show other people the misery of Mm. um how despite you know the amount of wealth in the world we force others to live Mm. you know Mm. in 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 in, uh, you know a certain amount of misery and you have to be content with that because you cannot you can't solve the mi- the the you can't solve the misery yeah. not on your own and so what does the fo- what does the photograph do in situations like that i mean does it does it does well, it i mean what's the point of showing misery and 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 you know well you also, you also show horror. other things you also show mm-hmm. happiness but i mean ali haven't you seen a photo that has moved you yeah i have and I wonder if that's, um, you know, that's a sort of a personal emotional response, which is good. I like I like having yeah. personal emotions. Yeah. Or whether it's, or not, it would actually compel me to do something about, say, the injustice that's depicted in this photograph. Because there was a big sort of mm-hmm. debate, like in the nineteen twenties and thirties, among these like German Marxists, like Walter Benjamin and mm-hmm. Theodor Adorno and what have you, about mm-hmm. the value of depression era photography, like. Folks like you know, um, um, you know, people are walking around taking photos of these really miserable victims of of the great, the great Depression and these you know down and out people and f- publishing these coffee table books and having these great exhibitions of photos of the poor and you know and 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 I think these um, especially like Benjamin and Adorno are like saying yeah. no this this is like poverty porn if you like mm. it's not it's not going to do anything it's just going to like um it, it's it's just going to make those who are already in positions of power feel even more powerful by by sort of owning the images of of misery as well as benefiting from that misery yeah. by enriching themselves yeah. and they're sort of like so the kind of the sort of discussions around photography are things like you no know, you have to use the photo in a very particular way with like accompanying text that sort of contradicts this kind of you know bourgeois moralism or something like that right. and i feel like and, and I don't know if maybe I'm bringing that sort of sensitivity, but when I think about like the Omen, the photographer in that film, and also Shutter and so on, I feel like there is a sort of a critique of the photographer who just thinks, no, my job is just to take a photo of things as they are and just show them to the world. And I feel like mm. the films are saying, actually, what if you see something in it that you didn't account for? And could this be your own complicity mm-hmm. in in the horror that you are depicting. Yeah. I mean, I guess the difference is that we know that Tune is Tune complicit. Is com- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, but you could say the same about many an endeavor that attempts to paint a picture of what is happening, mm. you know, of life. You could say the same thing about 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 you know the the written word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, what good does it do to mm. to build a visual language of another person's mm. misery mm-hmm. or you know what good does it do to build a visual language of of uh or a written language of uh, another person's i don't know happiness yeah etc mm. but it needs to be done doesn't it well I guess you're right, and I guess it gets done anyway. I mean, it's not like I mean, I don't think like this movie says is a sort of a technophobic film. No, it doesn't think so. end with no. like Jane saying, "You know what? This camera has only brought us misery and despair. I'm mm. gonna smash it." No, and, and I think I think that scene, so like kind of halfway through the film, where Jane finally says, "You know what? Me and you know Tuna develop you know, the photos that Tuna are taking." are clearly haunted because there's spectral images in them. So I'm going to take him to the spirit photography magazine's office Mm -hmm. and they go there. And this is really interesting. At first, like we said, we see one of the sub-editors who's just openly, shamelessly using Photoshop Mm -hmm. to create fake spirit photos. And he's like, well, that's what I do. We're here to sell magazines and this is what we're going to do. And then, but they go and meet the head editor at first, he's also a bit like you know the editor, the magazine editor from like Spider Man. He's like, "What? Well, what do you mean? I'm he's a cigarette cigarette chomping guy saying I'm just here to make money. If, if idiots want to believe in these things, well, they can. But then he changes his tune. He says, yeah. "Actually, because Jane pressures him, she says, "Look, are you telling me all of the photos that you publish are fake?'" He says, "Well, if you really want to know, let me tell you something." And then he pulls out a different photo album. Yeah. And these are the real spirit photos. And I think here, I guess, we have a sort of like a kind of a critique of the critique of the ethics of photography. Right. See, yeah. because it turns out maybe there are spirits out there who want to reach out to us. Yeah. And and the and the camera lens, aperture, shutter, etc., are the instruments like, you know, for this kind of communication. Yeah, I mean there are. Yeah, I'm quite sure if we research sort of uh, superstitious mm. beliefs mm. about photography, mm. we'd mm. find many. Right, yeah. like for example, that taking a photo of someone was mm. actually taking a part of that person's soul. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so we've got all of these mythical beliefs, you know, about photography anyway. Um, and I think this film just kind of leverages. Uh, that feeling again of photography being a kind of magic. It's not mm. magic at all, but it seems like it's magic. Look to me, it does even now. Like, as, as some, I, I still think it's magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would really like to, um, you know, like compare this with a, a more recent film mm. that reflects the current you know the 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 current state of photography mm-hmm. where there's this you know we we for the most part don't engage with photographs as physical objects yeah uh and and instead there's this an endless number of servers somewhere clogged with all of our shitty photographs <laughs> right because we've all got phones and we're all walking around taking everything mm. um 
you know, photo, basically we're, we're just training, you know, at this point, AI, <laughs> you know, algorithms. That's essentially mm. what we're doing. Right. Ouch. Um, you know, and face recognition algorithms, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That, that's what our photographs are doing. Um, I would like to see the difference in how the photograph is treated in a more modern horror mm. film. Mm. Um, I wonder what sorts of interesting things we could come up with um, or we would notice. I I actually have a question for you. Mm. You you mentioned earlier that Nat was obviously a bad person. And and hang on, did I say that? Yes. What? You said that he was a bad person. And I was going to oh, ask mean you. Oh, you Nat's or Toon? Oh, Toon, sorry, oh, not Nat. No, 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 sorry. No, no, Nat's, yeah. Nat's great. Well, um, sort of, yeah. So, mm. but I, so my question to you is when does someone cross the line from being a person who's done a bad thing, mm. you know, into being a bad person? When do, when yeah. does Toon cross that line? Look, that's a really good question, um, uh, Jason. And, and I, I think there's a sort of like a big question that this film asks in fact, not a lot of horror films ask that question. Like I think mm. like in terms of movies that you know I have talked about for this podcast, like I think about say, you know, Pumpkinhead. Yeah. That sort of also asks a similar ethical question. It says, mm-hmm. look, can the subject at a certain point say, you know what, I can make a decision to turn this thing around? Yeah. Not many horror films do that because in them, like evil has its own kind of autonomous absolute power that takes control and then we are sort of helpless. Hmm. I think I think the film Shutter does ask at a certain point of tune and says, "Look, come clean, just come clean. This stuff happened in the past. Yeah. It was horrible. Everything about it was bad. And yes, you played a part hmm. in the violation of this woman, mm-hmm. and therefore you are partially responsible for her suicide. Yeah, and do something about it. Come clean." You know, you're probably going to lose your current girlfriend. Yeah. You may even have to go to jail for a bit. Who knows? But come clean and be done with it. But he he tries to constantly avoid that because he thinks, I, I think, because he thinks he's too smart. And because he's a photographer, he can control the appearances of the ghost because she's appearing via photographs. Mm. So if he continues to hide these photos to, I don't know, maybe manipulate that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a part of him is already thinking, hey, you know what? I'm going to get that fancy new computer program called uh, the Photoshop and I'm going <laughs> to like erase the images of the ghost from them. Maybe he thinks he's in control. Maybe he's like a technocratic person. Mm-hmm. But all of that said, I mean, I think by now through our conversation, I haven't come to really you know, feel sorry for him, but I can kind of see why at the very end Jane hasn't fully abandoned him. Why she will still visit him in the hospital. He's pathetic. He's weak. He's also a sort of a victim of circumstance, although mm. although he's played his part in it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and I would be careful to, to, to maybe differentiate, um, you know. I, I, I would say that Tune is... is not responsible for Nat's mm. suicide, but he's responsible mm. for creating. For he pitched in to create yeah. the yeah. Um, the conditions. I think um, so for for her breakdown. I agree. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think this film does a better job of bringing out this nuance than the than the remake a couple of years later. 
Mm. And, I, and I think, yeah, in terms of the scares too, this film is so effective. Uh, I, I really like the scares. Um, I think that, you know, I just, again, that sort of minimalist, subliminal thing that we get in the eye as well. Right. You yeah. know, it's just so minimal and yet it really gives you, uh, gives you the creeps. The, the, the little appearances here and there, they're just... They're just so brief, the moments of the flash of the face of the ghost on the screen. And I really love that. And I, and I yeah. wish more filmmakers kind of got that, that it's scarier to just have a flash of a scary face mm-hmm. than, oh, here is a scary face. Let's stare at it for, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, wow, look at yeah. the CGI scariness of that scary face. No, it doesn't make it scary. It makes it comical. Where it's just a yeah. brief flash, people. That will scare the shit out of the audience yes. much better. Yeah, that's This true. film does it amazingly well. Yeah. Um, Although, once we know what Nat looks like, at first she does, she hasn't mm, got a face. Mm, right. Uh, and then toward the end of the film, when we realize that Toon is not going to be able to outrun Nat. And mm. he has to come, he has to stare, mm. you know, at her. He has to look at her face to face. For example, when she's doing that unnatural climbing down the yeah. ladder thing while he's trying to escape. Um, how she looks and, and our having to kind of, Except that, okay, okay, this is what Nat looks mm. like, and and she is definitely after him right now. <laughs> that becomes, um, it reflects, I think, the mental state of 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 uh, Tune. Yeah, because yeah. he also has to come face. He has to look at her. Mm-hmm. He has to. He's forced to remember. Right? Mm. Oh, this mm. is what Nat looks like. Mm. Ah, crap, you know. Um, yeah. and the film gives us that as well. Yeah, but without it becoming. You know, just a, uh, an arbitrary showing of, of what the ghost looks like. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, great film. Um, makes me want to watch the remake uh, again. Mm. Uh, but every time I've mm. watched this film and then gone back and watched the remake, you know, it's th- it's always this one that sticks with me. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 this one does. And I, th- I think it's... It, I, I love the naturalism of it too. It's obviously mm-hmm. a very small budget film. It's shot on location and it's just very believable. You know, the scene of like the graduation photography, uh, just, just, you know, the, 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 the photo lab or, or the Photoshop, the, you know, where they develop photos. Mm-hmm. That, that looks like a real uh, shop. Yeah. Yeah. Ev- everything about it, like smacks of kind of, um, a, kind of a good aesthetic, almost a neorealist aesthetic, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's something I love in horror cinema. Sadly, when you give directors bigger budgets, then the first thing they do is they they, they ditch that aesthetic and yeah. they go, "Hey, let's 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 bring in really good looking people and and you know build <laughs> sets and use a lot of CGI." And it's like, no, that that just makes it less believable. So, right. I, you know, the transition from this film where where the photographer Toon is like a guy who's you know takes photos of like graduation parties or something to yeah. the remake where he's a he's a photographer for a multi-billion dollar international magazine and yeah. he takes photos of sexy supermodels it's like <laughs> come on i'm too sexy for exactly i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's that sorry world. i had to do it it does i mean i'm just thinking wow you know what i'm sure that other world exists too the world of glam and glitz and big money of course it does but this other world is more believable because it's more it common. Is. It is. Yeah. And I also think that 
Toon's Affliction. Mm. This inability to come face to face or come to terms with the fact that he has done something that has harmed someone else. In other words, his, he, that he has lost innocence. Mm-hmm. Right? He's lost a certain kind of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think this is a very real thing that people deal with on the way to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, shedding that, that concept of one as not having any dirt. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. it, his inability to do that um, is at least part partially uh, what leads to his demise. Do, do, do you think, Jason, this film could have ended with him somehow uh, doing something no. to appease no. the vengeful spirit? No, he no. Has to if if you can't if you can't mm. appease, you know, <laughs> if you can't appease a, a ghost with ceremony. Mm. Then you're, you're out of luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that that is another reason why the, the film resonates with me. It, mm. um, at the end of the, the very end of the film, when mm. uh, Toon is kind of hunched over, he's, he's, <laughs> he has survived two falls mm. by this time. Mm. Right? And and his his all of his friends have kind of uh, fallen to their deaths, mm. and th- this is mm. mimicking uh, Nat's own death. Yeah. And he will not die. It's like Nat will not let him go. Mm. And the second fall has really uh, had its way with him. Mm. Um, he is not going to recover, and so he, within this institution, it doesn't look like it's just a hospital because Mm. he's not necessarily on life support it looks like he is in perhaps a psychiatric Mm. institution or some blend Mm. yeah yeah um and he's hunched over just sitting on the bed he doesn't recognize uh jane but nat's still on his shoulder right that's why he's hunched over yeah um she's not going to let him go no and she's attached to him for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just that he was a contributor mm. uh, to such a heinous crime, mm. but that she loved him. Yeah, that's that's a great thing about um, her as a horror movie creation. She's mm-hmm. complex too. Yeah. You know, she's not a simple victim in, a, in the same way that like Carrie wasn't. You know, these mm-hmm. these are wonderful creations that that we can feel sorry for but yeah. we can also be properly scared of yeah uh, and i yeah. think you know yeah she's she's one of those yeah uh, yeah and maybe guilt has that uh, mm. effect on us mm. as well mm. right it does it weighs us down it becomes mm. something that that is always there with us it lives with us yeah it's a great kind of in that way it's a great gothic film isn't it do do you think we could look at it as the is it possible to say that maybe this ghost doesn't exist at all and it is just a guilty conscience of these men or uh, the suspicions of their, you know, girlfriend? If it weren't for Jane, I would say, yeah, yes, that's possible. Right. But, um, Jane knows mm. what's going on and she's seen a bit too much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for us to, to just brush it off Yeah, as being uh, a guilty conscience. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is proper supernatural horror. 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. Look, one one of the most influential too, and I think um, I don't know the exact number, but there've been a few remakes. Uh, uh, there's been like an Indian one and a mm. Tamil one, and mm. the sort of um, Anglo-Japanese one. Mm-hmm. So very influential. The scares in it are, you know, still pretty effective. Um, I I definitely recommend this one. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. Four point five out of five voms for this. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I give it. I give it four and a half voms as well. Yeah, know? yeah. Great film. Yeah, go see it. Uh, yeah, and maybe take some good photos after. <laughs> but don't develop them. <laughs> well, no. If Delete you, them. If first. you if you're using film, then go ahead and develop those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you've taken them uh, on your phone, then, well, please uh, yeah. don't use Polaroids because that's that's bad news. <laughs> That's just that's never good. <laughs> oh come on! Don't don't. We're not gonna end on dissing Polaroid. No, no. I shake it like a Polaroid picture. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's my Outcast reference for the day. Mm. See you next time, everyone. See you later. Bye.